1: Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce and I'm so happy that you're here. Today we are having on a woman who travels the world with her unique workshop, which is a hybrid of yoga-related movement, writing, sharing out loud, letting the snot fly, and the occasional dance party. Cheryl Strayed, author of Wild, calls this woman a conduit of awakenings. She has been featured on Good Morning America, New York Magazine, Health Magazine, CBS News, and more for her unique style of teaching, which she has taught to thousands of women in sold out workshops all over the world. Her inspirational book, On Being Human, a memoir of waking up, living real, and listening hard, recounts how years of waitressing taught her to seek out unexpected beauty, how deafness taught her to listen fiercely, how being vulnerable allowed her to find love, and how imperfections can lead to a life full of wild happiness. She has learned to fiercely listen despite being nearly deaf, to banish shame attached to a body mass index, and to rebuild a family after the debilitating loss of her father when she was eight. Through her journey, she conveys the experience most of us are missing in our lives, being heard and being told, I got you. She's a pathological truth teller whose story of recovering from disordered eating and depression helps us find, accept, and embrace our own vulnerability, bravery, and humanness. Her work is a celebration of happiness and self-realization over darkness and doubt and an inspiration for us all to live outside the box and to reject the all-too-common belief of, I am not enough. I am so excited to welcome Jen Passeloff to Untamed and Unashamed.
2: Hi. <laughs> I love your voice. Oh, thank
1: you. Uh it often sounds like I'm whispering. So um thank you. I feel like um I try to like speak up and then it sounds like raspy. So I just I just stick with what comes. out I
2: like it. I like it. Thank you. It's good so, to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. So I'd love for you to share your journey and maybe some of the turning points for you that led you to where you are today and the work that you're doing.
2: Yeah. Do you have like 17 days or? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, the journey, the journey. You know, I'd say the pivotal the pivotal thing and the thing that I've written about my whole life, and I probably will for the rest of my life, is <laughs> my father um, dying when I was eight and he was 38 and he was my person and you know mm-hmm. i i had said i hate you to him and and that's the last thing you know i ever said and he died and right before he said he had said something like uh you know um stop stop being bad you're making me not feel good something like that so i'm eight mm-hmm. and you know i think it's my fault i think uh, i'm bad i'm a bad person and so i i took on that honest truth i'm a bad person that was my um like on a cellular level that was my belief and Mm -hmm. never dealt with the grief ever just refused you know and uh shoved it all back in my body and it started to you know as as it does because energy doesn't die it it never went anywhere and so um When, uh, let's see, when I was in high school at some point, around 17, I developed anorexia and nearly died. And then um, in the midst, you know, was losing my hearing, which Mm -hmm. now, now I am deaf without my hearing aids. So, you know, I read lips and I wear hearing aids and technology is wonderful because it streams right into my head. Mm. So back then... You know, it was. Um, I was in a lot of denial. I didn't. I didn't want to face it. I was. I was scared. I was ashamed. And um, I went to NYU, and I found poetry. And I was writing. And and I was destined to be a scholar. And I um, I was. I was in a scholar's program. And I had one year left. I was about to go on senior year. And my mom had moved back to LA, Los Angeles, and I decided to take a semester off. In air quotes, because still going on now, <laughs> hundred years later. So, um, yeah, I was like, I'm, I, I, I mean, I won an award, I, I won a fellowship. It was like 10 in the na- 10 in the nation poets, and I was going to be a poet. And I got a summer job at a restaurant, and I stayed there for 14 years. Mm. <laughs> I never finished college, and you know, all of it just fed into my belief that I was a bad person, and I was miserable. But, and I felt stuck, but I thought, this is my lot in life. And meantime, my hearing was going more and more. And then I decided um, I'm going to be an actress. I had done it a little as a kid. And so what I did was I waited around the restaurant for someone to come and discover me. And that never happened. (laughs) So finally, finally, I was doing a lot of yoga. Yoga saved me. Uh, It was helping me a lot with depression. And I finally went on antidepressants. And about two weeks later, after all my friends had been suggesting I, become, I do a yoga teacher training, which sounded to be the most unappealing thing in the world, the antidepressants helped me. They helped me sort of just see possibility where there was none. I took a yoga teacher training, and the rest is history. I, uh, I made my way out of the restaurant by becoming a yoga teacher. And became a successful yoga teacher. And then I got back into my writing. And I, and I, you know, one of my superpowers is creating community. Mm-hmm. And so I started marrying all the things that I was good at and that I did. And made up this hybrid thing that I do now, which is combining yoga-ish body movement with writing and sharing. You know, and then around 34, 35, I, re- I left the restaurant, I think, at 34. I finally got hearing aids at 35 and um and my life changed i really um i really began to see my hearing loss as a superpower because it taught me how to listen and that's a big 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 listen with my whole body that's a big part of the work i do now so um yeah i built this community and started doing these wacky workshops and people started following me around and uh, taking them wherever i offered them and I wrote the book. I've been talking about writing since I was 22 years old and it became a national bestseller and now I'm working on my second one and I'm here with you.
0: Mm, You know, now I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've omitted some stuff because of, uh, for brevity's sake, but I, I essentially lost everything during COVID because all my income was live in-person events. And so early 2020, I essentially reinvented myself and I put my stuff online and I started coaching and it was magic and I bought a house. (laughs) So the the COVID was the worst thing that ever happened. And then it ended up, it sounds a bit cliche, ended up being a blessing for me, not for anyone who has been sick or, but in terms of my trajectory. Yeah. So, so that's the short script. Yeah. The journey.
1: Yeah. The, um. The part with your father really hit me. And I know, um, you know, there were some really painful words spoken to me from a parent as a child. Um, my parent, uh, one of my parents would often say that they were going to kill themselves and it was my fault. And then they would lock themselves in a room for for more than 24 hours. And I wouldn't know really what was going going to happen you know but I, I read a quote once that was something along the lines of the way you speak to your children becomes their inner voice
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's it
1: yeah and it, so it hit me because I, I remind remembered that quote but I also think about the little I would never say you know either of those statements that we brought up to my children but sometimes I do say like Please, for the will you just stop whining? Like my head is gonna explode. You know, like uh, I may not say it in those words, but like you know, yeah. with the days that are like the constant tantrums, I say something along the lines of like, "Oh my God, please!" Like I'm getting a headache. You know, things like that. So even in that sense, that doesn't seem so damaging, can feel maybe traumatizing to a four-year-old. So. I don't know. I need to watch. watch Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I need to change my language around that. So I'm thankful for that reminder. And I want to talk about because, you know, that thought of the way we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. I want to talk about, you know, our own inner asshole, as you call it, um, Mm -hmm. and how to quiet that. I've always called it an inner critic, but hearing you call it an inner asshole makes me want to quiet it down even more. An inner critic almost makes me a little bit interested in what they're saying even, but when you say inner asshole, I I want them out of my life. So I'd love to hear you talk about how we can quiet that.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I always put my own spin on things and <laughs> I, I tend to curse just a ridiculous amount. So hmm. yeah, so the inner asshole is that voice that says, you're not enough. And you know, I love, I love my sister and I talk about that quote a lot. The the way you talk to your children becomes their inner voice. And so many times the inner asshole is um, let's call them outer assholes, (laughs) even though they were doing the best they can. And somehow we've, you know, taken that honest truth, especially if it happened when we were young, it's easier now, you know, I'm in my forties, someone says something, my feelings will get hurt, but I don't necessarily, you know, make it the truth, um, as a child, that's different. So the inner asshole is the voice. It was my voice that said, I'm a bad person. It was is my voice that says, I'm not a real writer, you know, you know, all these, all these things said, ultimately what I've realized, um, over time is I used to think we're going to kill it, but that's not the case because what i found is, is I was like, yeah, I killed my inner asshole. And then I woke up and it was in bed with me again. Aha. So it's about daily practices. What are you going to do every single day to quiet it? And the truth is it might be there for the rest of your life or, or, or you know, switches words or voices, but are you going to let it be the boss of you? So I began understanding, oh, okay, um, I'm going to acknowledge it and offer compassion and go, I, I hear you and I don't need you anymore. I think ultimately it thinks it's protecting us. I mean, that's, that's my hope. Otherwise it's just a mean, but it thinks it's protecting us. Go, okay, I hear you. I get it. And I don't need you anymore. So. And it's a day by day thing. Today may I quiet my inner asshole. Mm-hmm. Today. <laughs> That's it. Today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever find it's helpful to try to, and the answer may be no, I, I'm just now, this is just now occurring to me. Is it ever helpful to try to talk with the inner asshole and maybe ask, what are you trying to protect me from? And having Absolutely. that dialogue?
2: absolutely that's actually in my next book and it's an yeah. exercise i do in my retreats yeah um absolutely what what do you want you are you asking it? what do you want i'm really listening yes dialogue yes and you know the way that i work the way i operate in my life and the way that i write is with a lot of levity because i think life is really hard and so like let's not make it harder <laughs> and um one thing lately I've been working with my clients is be with the ridiculousness of it. Just be with the, the, the sheer hilarious ridiculousness of the things your inner asshole is saying. Like with me, I'm not a real writer, you know, and I said, st- really, really? And, and allow yourself to laugh at the ridiculousness of it. So that's one thing. But yeah, being in dialogue, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and I've heard you say also that should is an asshole it uh, is, it I'd is. love to hear you expand on that
2: yeah you know I mean that that really is um it's my next book it's not called that that'll be like a chapter but um mm-hmm. it's this idea of oh but but by now you should have owned a house and now now I do so that's you know but I was living in my one bedroom apartment for almost 20 years you should have finished college you should have um you know had a kid and eventually I did but it, but it's listening to that voice whether it's internal or external that um tells you that you're wanting meaning you're lacking something that you're that you should be doing something different than what you are doing right now that what you're doing right now is not enough yeah and that
1: that also makes me think of you know, in your memoir on being human, you talk about what you call the "just a box." Be mm-hmm. doing more um, is kind of. I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand. So, can you explain what yep. the "just a box"
2: is? Yeah, absolutely. The "just a box" is something I made up, and it's like this: I'm just a mom, I'm just a yoga teacher, I'm just a waitress, I'm just a wife, I'm just a cashier. I'm just a. You know, it's a way that we minimize ourselves, or the world tries to minimize us by wanting to put us in a box, and that's how life is. You know, when you write a book, it's like, well, well, what genre does it go in? What what box do you fit in? And I decided, especially when I got out of the restaurant, and I started this journey and I started doing these workshops and retreats. I, I'm not going to fit in a box, and it took me a little bit in the beginning when I started doing stuff. You know, I called it a yoga retreat, I called it a yoga workshop because. I didn't know how else to get people in the room and I was also afraid. Now I have confidence and, and, you know, and I have a reputation and now I'm, I'm like, well, if no one comes, no one comes, but what I'm doing can't fit in a box. So, you know, let's say I'm in London I let a workshop and in the end everyone's laughing and crying and, I, and I'll ask everyone a hundred people, well, how would you describe that? And they all, everyone goes, I have no idea. I go exactly. And yet it's sold out. It's packed. So, take that as inspiration that you know you you can do what you want. You can create a thing. You can live your life on your own terms. You don't have to fit inside a box. and I, and I you know, I stand by that. that's that's how I, I live my life. and it's scary. sometimes it's it's easy to want to shut down or to feel like we need to conform, but we don't have to.
1: yeah, I love that. and i remember i believe i was like 22 23 i went to get a yoga certification to be a teacher in brazil and uh i remember really struggling i was one of the youngest people there but i remember really struggling to even in this place where i thought like i was gonna find more tribe-like feeling and this was like about 16 years ago um I remember feeling like I didn't belong. Like I, I was still struggling in my enoughness and, and, uh, you know, probably had all of these projections, but I remember, um, one girl asking me, so what do you do? And I listed like five things as I've always had like five jobs. And I remember her telling me, uh, ah, a Jack of all trades and a master of none and I remember that hitting me. That so, off. yeah, I remember that hitting me so hard and it took me years to feel like, I can be them all, I can be a rainbow, I can be every color, I don't have to pick one thing. But I remember, you know, hearing that at age like 22, 23, and still really struggling in my self worth, it was something that like, there was this feeling of like, ah, I have to choose one thing, I guess if I'm going to do this yoga teacher training, I have to just do what yogis do, you know, so I love hearing that. that just a box. Well, well I know. think
2: also, also, you know, you were twenty three years old. I mean, God mm-hmm. bless you for being that young. And but like, a lot of us don't know any better, and that's one of the reasons why my work and the things I say are for everyone, you know. So even though my next book is called Right on Time, and and, and yeah, maybe a lot of older women will be inspired. Like, yeah, I can reinvent, or I could do. But but to remember that, hopefully, a, a twenty three year old will read it when they're in a yoga t- teacher training in Brazil and that person that says, says, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, you know, whatever. Look, yeah. It, sometimes it's, it. I find that it's a form for me of ADD. It's like, you know, this constant distracting myself with too many things. And then there's another part of me. It's like, you know what? This brings me joy. This lights me up. I want to do this. So I'm going to.
1: Yeah. And now, you know, Uh, at 37. I still have five jobs. So (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I love that. Thank you. And a a few weeks ago, you posted a very, you know, that was a very limiting quote, the other thing, but um, the master of uh, jack of all trades, master of none. uh, Speaking of limiting quotes, though, a few weeks ago, you posted one that had been like circling the internet that said
2: something along the oh, line oh like, i know what you're talking about yeah yeah you're not it, it was the one that said you're not what is it you're well,
1: not something like I, say, I don't know who to you're hear just me. lazy
2: it was something right. very very mean
1: yeah it was you're not overwhelmed you're lazy and unorganized and then it went on to say like you need to get a daily planner you need to wake up earlier you need to have boundaries like all of these things and you reminded us you know, you reposted it and reminded us how untrue and unloving those damaging words are. And I'd love to talk about with you how this this shaming statement is a lie, and and how so many times we can shame ourselves. Which a lot of times, those behaviors of like um, feeling overwhelmed or going into that freeze response of needing to just yeah relax, yeah you know so
2: then, I'm, yeah go ahead. i'm so glad you brought it up though because i found it i was looking for the post you know oh, okay. um and so the the, it, it, the post the the original post that i shared and i shared it because well i'll tell you in a second it says it says i don't know who needs to hear this but you're not overwhelmed you are lazy and unorganized wake up earlier get an agenda book whatever that is <laughs> create a routine create boundaries say no stick to your schedule, write down and adhere to your deadlines. You're standing in your own way. This is what I wrote. What kind of assholy patriarchal <laughs> nonsense is this? Ew. <laughs> you're just, you're just lazy and unorganized. Well, guess what? I am maybe the most unorganized person I know. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're a delight, and you're loved, and you're right on time, and it's great to rest, and it's okay if you're unorganized and if you sleep late. So there. Bye. I'm off to nap and be lazy and not adhere to any deadlines, and I will be not be sticking to any kind of schedule today. This kind of voice is what our inner asshole sounds like. So I shared that, and, you know, people—it's it's interesting because a lot of people didn't read my commentary and thought I was just— sharing the thing, which is always, it's a pet peeve when people don't read and jump to assumptions, but I shared it to turn it on its head, you know? And so one woman wrote me a stranger, a follower, you know, who said, um, I I see what you're doing, but you know, I'm trying to, I don't want any negativity in my timeline and you shouldn't have even shared this. And, uh, and, and I wrote back to her again, levity. And I said, well, the good news is you don't have to reshare it. And, You know, and we got in this thing and, uh, and she didn't appreciate that. And so then she wrote, um, she wrote me a whole thing about, you know, I've changed, but not for the better. And then she blocked me. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah. So,
1: um, It's a weird comment as well. You changed is an odd comment.
2: Well, well, I wrote, I found an old meme I had written that said, I'm not your idea of me. I'm my idea of me. And mm-hmm. I could change my mind as much as I want. So I hope mm-hmm. anyone listening remembers that you get to change your mind as much as you want. You do, you know, and then mm-hmm. I always say, and and may I have the courage to be who I say I am. But it was hilarious. So when that woman goes, you've changed, I wrote back, I go, I have. And I didn't, I didn't put a question mark, I just put a period. But it really got me thinking. I thought, well, she doesn't know me, right? This, mm-hmm. of course, we think we know people. So then I wrote this, um, A stranger just told me, you changed, to which I replied, I have. To which she replied, not in a good way. And then she blocked me. (sighs) Why? Because the previous post I posted, it was trash, yes, the one I just read. And I reposted it because it was the antithesis of how I live my life. And it was ridiculous. And I poked holes in it. And I felt like posting it. That's reason enough. I felt like it. Mm -hmm. Anyway. She said I shouldn't give negative stuff like that energy and repost it and that she was trying to remove negative posts from her feed. To which I replied, well, you don't have to repost it. That's the cool part. And I added a smiley emoji emoji because, yeah, levity is good. And what I said is true. We get to choose. I did laugh at the you change bit in light of how much I've been talking about how change scares the shit out of me lately. Mm. So I didn't respond with a question like I did change, but rather a statement. I did change. What it got me pondering, though, is how she had made up an idea of me or had a perceived version of me and I no longer matched up with that perception. So I found this old meme of mine. I'm my idea of me. And listen, my salt and vinegar chip lovers, if you don't have a sense of humor, you're not going to like me. I'm not saying I have the best sense of humor in the world. I mean, it's pretty good. The point (laughs) being, lightening up does a body good and no i'm not hinting to lose weight you nerd and for the rest of you non-lovers of the sacred salt and vinegar chips who even are you you've changed and i want my money back <laughs> i so, love um, that yeah, yeah poking holes in that bullshit about being lazy and unorganized yeah,
1: and you know just ignoring it and not poking holes in it is spiritual bypassing it's i'm just gonna look at the positive i'm not gonna give it attention but If we don't, you know, bring the shame to light, then we're letting it exist and stay there.
2: Yeah. And, 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 and yes. And also I I will die on the hill. We get to choose. So Mm -hmm. for her, for this person, obviously. Yeah. And it's not everyone's duty to like bring the shame to, I happen to do that. I created Mm -hmm. something called shame loss. That's my jam, Mm -hmm.
1: but,
2: but I meant what I said, like, you don't have to repost it. And I wasn't being Mm -hmm. bitchy. I was just like, great. Mute me, unfollow, but you don't have to repost it. We get to choose. Yeah. And I did share it because I thought it was so ridiculous. I just, you know, I really, I took such offense to it because, yeah, because ADD and because, you know, all the years I told myself I was lazy. I don't need some bullshit meme telling me I'm Hmm. lazy and unorganized. My inner asshole does that. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of um just thinking of that last sentence alone there are so many memes that circle the internet that are assholes that are inner assholes. Yeah,
2: and guess what, you, if you don't an like, an like it, don't share it, right? Oh. Or or it's 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 not real life. Social media isn't real life and you know, people will see that, especially someone with low self-esteem or already feels bad about themselves and go, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's true. Yeah. I'm just lazy and unorganized."
1: Mhm yeah so i also wanted to talk to you about something well about imposter syndrome and what we can do about that creeping up this is something that i really struggle with and i sometimes have my inner asshole telling me that just like you were saying that you're not a writer um mm-hmm. I often have my inner asshole telling me that I'm a fraud and I need more courses before I can genuinely step into my calling as a coach or a mentor and like who am I what certifications do I have all of these things so um I'd love to talk about what we can do about that imposter syndrome.
2: Yeah, you know, it's um it's just like the inner asshole you can you can acknowledge it and go I see you I hear you and I don't need you anymore and mm. I I made up a word called fearless-ish, because I don't, you know, I don't know that I've ever been fearless. I don't really know anyone that's fearless. I think Mm -hmm. maybe sociopaths are. (laughs) The rest of us have have varying degrees of fear, and we either do it anyway, or we don't. Um, And, you know, I always say we have two options in life, keep going or shut down. And I'm interested in the keeping of the going and the keep going in the being afraid and doing it anyway and I'm not talking about putting ourselves in danger so yeah it's scary to put yourself out there in whatever area you were talking about being an imposter um and to move through it you know and to go I know who I am and also like I know what I'm really, really good at and I know what I suck at and I'm clear on that and I'm okay with it. That doesn't mean that I can't ask for help for the things I suck at. It doesn't mean that I can't learn, but I'm not, um, but I allow myself to be, to own what I am good at instead of that, you know, imposter thing happening. Like, who do you think you are anyway? You know, and I, I, I joke with it. I go, I'm Jen motherfucking pastel off. I mean, I really encourage people to and to do that. And, yeah. and then, you know, in my book, I have that whole part and in my workshops to give yourself a medal. Mm-hmm. And like for anything and everything and brag. And it's not about being better than anyone else, but it's about acknowledging yourself. Mm-hmm. And and do it every day if you need to. Mm-hmm. And from that space, then you create or you or you whatever it is you're doing that you're feeling like you're an imposter yeah so good like mm. i would ask you I would ask you so when you feel like an imposter, what is it surrounding what is it when does it come up
1: um well, sometimes you know having a podcast and then sometimes you know i I really want to coach women on um you know inner child wounding and and how that plays out in relationships women... on
2: i didn't I didn't hear on on inner what
1: inner child wounding and how that plays out in relationships so like imago work how we respond in conflict calling in a partner you know that is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in alignment with what we're available for what we want to be available for and often let me let me
2: ask you this mm -hmm. have you has that helped in healing you that work yeah yeah i could tell and um and you had it sounds like you had some real childhood trauma Mm mm-hmm so who better hmm yeah no i mean i'm like really like like who better Mm -hmm. someone with a phd
1: Mm. yeah that's a good that's a good point thank you
2: well i mean look just from what you said about Mm -hmm. the your, your parent with the you know the suicide threat thing and then so you already had all that childhood trauma then you've gone on to heal yourself or it's uh, not like you've arrived at being healed but this process and it's it's transformed your life i'm guessing because mm-hmm. otherwise why would you want to then share it so mm-hmm. who better like really though
1: yeah that's so good i need to um like what i heard when you were saying all that is how you said uh, you know i'm Jin fucking Passeloff. like for me to start answering it like i'm jade fucking price like who yeah. better? so that's a that's good... why
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, yes, there, there, there's, there's no one better to be doing this and really just, just having that confidence, the knowing, knowing who I am and may I have the courage to be who I say I am.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I wanted to talk about, um, I love your approach with all of this, the, the, you know, standing up to the inner asshole to the, you know, how transparent you are with like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm unorganized, you know? So I would love to talk about how this applies in motherhood as well. Um, mm-hmm. and what it means to be a no bullshit mother.
2: Oh, good. Yeah. So how it play in motherhood? It's interesting. My, my husband is definitely balances me out. He's very organized. He's very, <laughs> um, he's very, uh, black and white and literal. So he, um, he balances me out in that because I, you know, I'm like, where's, where's Charlie's birth certificate? Where's you know, <laughs> where's that? Thank God. Right. It, again, it's like, I'm not, do I wish I was more organized? Yes, Jade, I do. But <laughs> I also, I'm like, you know what? I can hire people. I can ask for help. I can create systems. I, but I have this, thank God my husband who really helps with that. Um, I will say that because of my personality and, you know, I'm, I'm older than you and I, I had Charlie at 41 and I, you know, I don't, I don't get caught up in like comparing myself to other moms and all that stuff. So there's a, there's a, and I don't know if that has anything to do with not being organized, but kind of like I was never, I didn't read any books before I had a baby. I had a, I was like, I, did, I didn't, I didn't even know how to change a diaper. And I was like, eh. And I'm a really great mom. Oh, I mess up a lot. Yeah. But I'm really great. And my kid's incredible. And mm. I don't know. I just don't, I don't have any rules. Mm-hmm. Meaning for myself of like, this is how I should mom. I want, um, you know, I, I, I let my son, my son know probably a thousand times a day, how much I love him. So hopefully mm-hmm. that's his inner voice and, you know, he's free and, um, yeah, I let him have screens. You know, I don't, I don't, I let him have sugar. I, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not the, um, you know, in quotes perfect organic mom and my kid's awesome. So mm-hmm. that's no bullshit motherhood. It, it's not, um, it's telling the truth. And it's also not having uh, imposter syndrome around being a mom, you know. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, and every day I make it up, and it's going great. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I Except on that. the days
2: when it's not. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so being, you know, a mom, and a lot of us are overscheduled. Um, like I said, I have five jobs and I have two kids. How? in the midst of all of that, can we cultivate creativity?
2: Great question. I would recommend us all not being so overscheduled. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this app called Mind, M-I-N-E-D. And my latest session, it's a it's a self-help, it's like Peloton for the soul. Yeah. Uh, my latest series is on the lie of productivity and it's about slowing down and relaxing. And so that's the first thing I say stop overscheduling ourselves. Um and and we must treat creativity and and relaxation and leisure, you know, like a responsibility, you know, like it's important every day. And not being attached to what it looks like. So touching your creativity every day, no matter, no matter maybe some days it's photography, maybe it's writing, maybe it's your dancing. It's something, some way that you're accessing that space, Mm -hmm. right? That creative divine spirit that's in every single one of us that, um, bringing it to life every single day, especially with you have kids. I mean, there's no better way. I have, I have, become so much more creative since my son and especially since he's five now it's not when they're a baby not as much but now you know we do things together and I'm like oh I forgot how much I love painting or, or <laughs> how much you know and I can't draw for anything but I love it
1: yeah yeah and I um you said leisure I am most creative in the morning and then late at night and those are really the only times that there is any leisure. It's like when we provide space for it. Um, I often, you know, me and the kids also dance every morning. So I feel like that opens up that that. space. Same. Um,
2: That's, uh, you're absolutely right. And I love that you use the word space because space is where creativity lives. hmm. So we have to make space. Um, and I also love the fact that you brought up, what times a day you feel the most creative? I ask my clients that all the time. I ask myself that, and I've begun really working around that. I mean, it took me until my forties to start to go, "Wait a minute! I get to decide and pay attention." Oh, like ten thirty in the morning is when I feel the most yeah, me too. alive mm-hmm. and juiciest and creative, and mm-hmm. and and honoring that. Yeah,
1: yeah. There was a part of me that thought, like, well, it's just it's right after I have coffee. So maybe I'm most activated, but it is, it's the leisure. And then the, you know, the kids and I dance to two songs in the morning. Then when I put them to bed, that's when we sing our songs. So it's like, yeah, both I love it. you know, I feel like, like you said, make the I, space for it.
2: I just, you know, that person that said that to you, Jack of all trades, master of none. I just want to shove it up her ass because <laughs> you know, that is such a cliche though. It really is. And yes, yeah. it, uh, theoretically, I understand it. Like if you're, if you're, you know, trying to, um, I don't know, become a painter and or, or you, you are a painter, but like making a living out of it. And then all of a sudden you're like, you start, um, I don't know, becoming a yoga teacher. And, but you look at all these things that you, the ways that you're living your life and for mm-hmm. someone to say, you know, well, that, that is, that's the patriarchy again. Like you must master mm. one. Mm. And do it right, and do it good, and make a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there must have been, you know, of course, some voice that had told her that about herself, because I feel like anytime someone says something like that that is very limiting or shaming, they're telling us about them, not about us, you know?
2: Well, Jade, I mean, that, that sentence is, you know, been around forever and i think mm-hmm. m- a lot of people most people feel that way and mm-hmm. we're taught that so you know i mean that's always in the back of my head too yeah you know look at the mug um you're a joyologist of the company it says fuck the shoulds do the once
1: <laughs> oh i love that and i love your shirt too no is a complete yes center.
2: my friend anama gave it to me um i forgot i was wearing this yes 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 it
1: all, it all ties into what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to also, um, before I move on to the lightning round of questions that I end every show with, I wanted to talk about how you've offered us that asking now what every day Mm we can do for ourselves. And it's like a baby step each day in order to manifest our goals. Mm -hmm. And I know Different people feel different ways about manifestation. But I'd love to hear from you about that question. Now what?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it's even just about goals either. It's not. What? How, how I came up with that, again, it's not rocket science, but I've been doing these workshops for years. And I had, um, I had someone come kind of like follow me around the world and come again and again and again to different things within a very short period of time. And and the first time she shared her story, I was moved and I cried. Then, you know, she kept coming and it was the same exact thing. And I noticed I wasn't feeling anything. And I'm not a monster. I'm such a sappy empath. <sighs> but what I realized after a year was this. Oh, okay, wait a minute. It's really brave to write down, you know, what you want to let go of or what you're afraid of or these things she was writing. And it's and it's it's even braver to share them out loud in a room full of strangers, you know, in air quotes. But it's not enough unless you're asking now what. So what I realized mm-hmm. was, oh, she was stuck in her story. Like she wanted to be in that story, you know, she got attention for it, and and that was her identity. So if you're not asking now what, you just made a list in a weird expensive workshop. Um, now what is the thing that keeps us congruent and alignment? So it's um you know, uh, like starting the morning, I start the morning with this prayer, may I remember, and then I encourage everyone to do it and whatever comes after that. But let's say, may I remember um, I am enough or may I remember, Mm -hmm. may I allow myself to create today? You know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is I say, right? Now, now what? So what does that look like during the day? Otherwise, it's just empty words. So the now what is the follow through? The now what is the the actionable, tangible, Mm -hmm. specific, thing um that takes it out into the world Mm -hmm.
1: I love that that I know one of your morning prayers is may I not let fear be the boss of me today and that was one that really I am it's not just a morning prayer that is one that I'm like saying throughout the day me too me
2: too all all day long and guess what Jade some days it is the boss of me and that's Mm -hmm. okay because you get to start over again, God willing, right? God willing, you yeah. open your eyes tomorrow. You go up, get to start over again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. This now, what I'm curious, how you would apply that to maybe a woman who for Maybe she's in her 40s. She her 10 year relationship just ended. She doesn't have kids, and she still wants kids. And now she's also not even in a relationship, and she was hoping yeah. to get married. How
2: would you apply that now? What? Yeah. To her? It's a really great question so really small baby steps so like I, you know and again just pulling it out of the ether but all right so if if she wants to meet someone new let's say or does she want to be in a relationship well now what then what are we going to do are we going to tell our friends you know like really put that ask out there are you going to join a dating site are you going to go sit in, in a, a coffee shop and actually make eye contact with people like tangible Specific things every day because mm-hmm. otherwise we're just moaning in our head, like I did at the restaurant for 800 years. Like, I, I hate my life. I hate this. I wish I could leave, but there was no now what. Mm-hmm. So, all right, now what? You're, you're, what's next? And, and she's in her 40s and, and she wants to meet someone. Maybe she wants to reinvent her career, whatever. Well, maybe the now what is spend the day daydreaming or, or writing out a vision, like really letting yourself feel what it feels like or, um, signing up for a class like specific tangible things it could be anything mm-hmm. but it has to be something
1: yeah and almost like a like a congratulations is in store too of like okay you you feel like you don't have your shit together and you thought you would by this age now what like it's it's um yeah a form of possibly having some sort of excitement about what's next
2: it how about a ton of excitement? You know, you know, I think, I think that's one of the questions that I ask all my clients. I ask myself, "Is what are you most excited about today?" And I also ask them that for the week. And I remember I have a client. I think it was like in March, and and she was, I, I I'm not really I'm not excited by anything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, well, okay, that's depressing. And then and then um, she she said something, and she judged it. She said, "I well, it's silly, but." And she was excited about the weather getting warmer. And I said, that's not silly at all. That's incredible. And Mm -hmm. yay. So I said to her, I want you to check in with me, email me every single day what you're excited about. And she looked at me like I shot her mother. She said, Mm -hmm. I cannot be excited by something every day. And I thought, well, but Jade, she's not the only person that feels that way, right? They think Mm -hmm. we forget. And Wayne Dyer used to always say, follow your excitement, which I love so like Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to be excited by things anything all the things just finding it and uh and then she said i you know i wanted to unpack that a little like you can't be excited by something every day like says who and and she said something like it feels greedy Hmm. yeah so we get to be excited and then now what if we can reframe it into an excitement question I love that Mm, yeah hmm
1: yeah so interesting the greed part Um, I think uh, so much of us come from a scarcity mindset of like there's not enough I I can't take I can't have yep yep
2: yep bingo
1: yeah So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say?
2: Oh, um, hmm. It's going to be okay. Those are my favorite words. Yeah, it's going to be be okay. I'm going to get that tattoo. I've been meaning. I I got got, got got you. you. I've got you. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah.
1: If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be?
2: If I could, what hug the whole world?
1: If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Well,
2: girl, I'm <laughs> being human. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm serious. Hey, why not? But let's see. um You yeah. know, it's a good. Uh, okay, my book, but also The Big Beat <laughs> by Gay Hendricks. It's a mm-hmm. it's a self. And the Chronology of Water by Lydia Yuknovich. But my book, damn it. Oh.
1: I haven't heard that last one, but I love Gay Hendrix. And then totally agree that your book is a very good Lydia, Lydia one. Y-
2: Lydia Yuknovich, all things by her, but Chronology of Water is her memoir. Wonderful. Okay.
1: Hmm, I'll have to look that one up. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be?
2: Hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm tempted to say also it's going to be okay, but... um. You know, I'm gonna have to go with "Don't be an asshole."
1: Hmm, that that's a good one. I end up yeah. saying "Be a light." It's the same thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I own "Don't be an asshole" Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know. I haven't renewed it. Gosh, let's check. What's the next one?
1: Uh, how can people connect with you and your work?
2: Um, they can. Oh, they can find me at jenniferpastoloff.com, my very not updated website because hashtag unorganized. But mostly I'm on Instagram, Jen Pastoloff. I'm on the Mind app, M-I-N-E-D. But yeah, jenniferpastoloff.com. And my book is called On Being Human. You can get it wherever books are sold. I'm very easy to find. But as far as social media, Instagram is definitely my my place you know
1: yeah i love your instagram it's it's a uh, every time Thank you post, you. a reminder to stay vulnerable stay open stay transparent and i loved talking with you today i know that you um have you know your friends with elizabeth gilbert and i've spent some time with her as well and you guys are so similar you guys have the I love that. Community. I love that. Have very similar energy. Talk the same. Um, I know she loves cuss words as well. And
0: <laughs>
2: I can- love I it's so funny because i you reminded me a lot of myself in your email. You know, I um I'm so um hmm, what's the word? I don't want to say not. I'm, I'm so casual, like, you know, and like, usually when people ask that, you know, there's like very, there's like a calendar link and it's like very formal and you're, and I was like, oh, oh, hell yeah. She's just (laughs) like me. Like, you know, I mean, I was like, is there I was like, oh, she's so, this is me just like from the heart. And I totally didn't, didn't have the time and quotes. I told, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. I love her. Mm -hmm. I love her. She's like so up my alley thank
1: you thank you that's a big compliment
2: (laughs) yeah you were just i don't know i i you know that's a that that's the thing with authenticity. uh why is that word always hard authenticity yeah um it doesn't mean we could say yes to everyone for everything no Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i i yeah i was just like oh oh yeah without a doubt yeah Mm Thank you
1: so much. Yeah, it's always, you know, asking guests to come on. You never know what you're going to get. And your response was really quick and it, it really lit up my day. So thank you so much. Yeah.
2: Okay, all right, baby girl. Okay, bye.
1: Mm. I hope you guys are all feeling more enoughness and more belonging after hearing from Jen. I love her no bullshit approach and how transparent and raw she is. That is what is truly captivating. I wanted to offer you guys something that I found in Yoga Journal, written by a woman named Lindsay Tucker, who attended Jen's workshop. And one of her big takeaways was five ways to radically love ourselves. This is something that she received from Jen at the workshop. The first one is be a beauty hunter. Beauty hunting means looking around and counting as many gorgeous, amazing miracles you can possibly take in in that moment. The sound of rain on the roof, clouds parting in the sky, puppies, baby feet, the smell of barbecues and fresh cut grass and a happy IPA. It's actually kind of impossible to be miserable and ungrateful when you're collecting lovely things. The crooked smile of the concierge even after you've missed your flight? The fact that humans even know how to fly at all? Beauty hunting. You'll be surprised. The more beauty you seek and appreciate about a person or place or experience, quieting the inner monologue about what's annoying you, a screaming baby and possibly small airplane seats, no room in the overhead bin, the more you'll actually like yourself too. Love and compassion are just muscles. Use them on others when it's too hard to use them on yourself. And pretty soon, it'll be difficult to remember why you were so self-critical in the first place. Number two, banish your just a box. No one is just one thing. You're not just a mom, just a yoga teacher, just an electrician. We all have multitudes We are constantly evolving and growing and becoming better and the best version of ourselves. We are all a work in progress, and this is the most important part. There is no timeline. We're all afraid of things that won't come true. It's easier to look at the people around us and assure them that their worries are ridiculous and unfounded, and of course, there are wonderful things ahead, but it's much harder to do it for ourselves. Think about the people you know and love in your life. Do you think of them as just a blank just a mom, just a teacher, I'm sure you do not. Stop thinking about yourself that way. Number three, outsmart your inner asshole. Your inner asshole is the voice of shame and degradation that tells you you're awful and no one likes you and you'll never accomplish your dreams and you're stupid for even wanting them. Or at least that's what many people say. Each inner asshole is different but they all have one thing in common. They're assholes. The inner asshole will never stop trying to tell you what Jen calls bullshit stories. Messages of self-doubt or loathing that are completely unfounded, but often paralyzing. In one of her workshops, she asked everybody to write some of theirs down. Some people wrote down, I'm too screwed up to find radical happiness. Passionate love doesn't last. I'm not important enough to write what I want. I'll never find financial freedom. I'm bad at marriage because of my parents' shitty relationships. Then she asks them to close her eyes and think of someone who makes them feel safe, loved, and understood, and write a letter to themselves from that person's point of view, beginning with, if you could see what I see, you would know that. And complete that letter. That is a beautiful prompt. Number four, embrace vulnerability. In Jen's workshop, they were pushed to be vulnerable from day one. They wrote down their deepest fears about themselves and read them out loud before they could even remember each other's names. They read letters to their 16-year-old selves and poems they'd only been given a few minutes to write. And they told each other all the horrible self-loathing thoughts that their inner assholes were ramming down their throats. And you know what? They felt more free. Number five, give yourself a fucking medal. At her workshops and in her book, Jin tells a story about the one in the 100. One person out of 100 may not like you. Do not try to please the one. She said a lot of other things, but what this writer remembered, oftentimes from that one person, we're looking for a pat on the back. We want to be told it is going to be okay, that we don't suck. We're wanting this person to appease our inner asshole. In those moments, we can allow ourselves to say all of those things that we need to hear. No one is going to give you that fucking medal. We have to give it to ourselves. So pat yourself on the back and give yourself a fucking medal. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope I hope you feel invited and prompted by those five ways to love yourself. Thank you for being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review, share an episode with a friend, hit the follow button. You can also join me on my Instagram, untamed and unashamed podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here.